Yes, guys, welcome back to another episode of Teams Like Brighton. And boy, do I have a big smile on my face, everyone. Yes, we got a double over Chelsea. And safe to say, Richie, it is fully deserved. Yes, 100%. Uh, we were just talking off air uh, how it felt like it was going to be deja vu from the Tottenham loss where nothing went Brighton's way. When Chelsea, I'd say, undeservedly took the league, the lead, sorry, off. Um, you know, a hefty deflection from off Lewis Dunk, looped past Robert Sanchez, and you're thinking, oh, God, not this again. Not another horrible day in North London. Um, or oh, sorry, not North London. In London, let's say. But it's West London. Um, but, yeah, so... But, yeah, credit to Brighton. They bounced back really, really well. And just to make the, you know, push the point further... It did seem as if the gods weren't smiling on on Brighton because within the first half, 40 minutes or so, uh, Brighton had lost Joel Veltman to injury and then Evan Ferguson to injury. So you're like, this is just not fair. This is just cruel. Um, But they've got an indomitable spirit at at Brighton that's been um, harnessed by Roberto De Zerbi and... In short, in every single facet of the game, Brighton were better than Chelsea. There is maybe the only player who was better from Chelsea was Kepa because he made some unbelievable saves to keep them out. But even then, like it was just domination from start, pretty much from start to finish. Chelsea were a disjointed team of gazillionaires and Brighton are a wonderfully crafted uh, hidden gem bed of talent it's just it's just night and day I mean 57 I think until the last 10 minutes or so when Brighton sort of sat back a little bit and and didn't quite do what they were doing earlier in the game uh Brighton had a, around 70 percent possession at the end of the game they also had 26 shots to Chelsea's eight 10 shots from targets to Chelsea's two just man for a man, they were better in every single way. It was a complete domination and the first ever win for Brighton at Stamford Bridge. It was it was a really, really strong performance. Um, we'll get on to individuals a little bit later, Tom. But yeah, this was a fully deserved win and a great way to bounce back from that heartbreaking and very controversial loss to Tottenham last weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And just overall as a team performance, it was just fantastic to watch. Like you say, mm-hmm. like... It, we, we went a goal down by a, a, the flukiest of flukiest of goals, really. It's so unlucky. And it just, I, I don't know what it is with us and conceded deflected goals, but the deflections always seem to come from Lewis Dunk. And you could just see from the look on his face that he is more annoyed than anyone else um, from the Brighton end to concede it in that way. And it's not even his fault. He did everything he could there. Sanchez was just so, so unlucky because he could see... The ball was going to his left and he's just about to get ready to dive in. And when you're in that motion as a goalkeeper, it's so hard to stop and then kind of get yourself back on your feet and then dive the other way. And by the time you get there, it's almost, well, as you saw there, it was too late, too little, too late. And he was so close to actually get a hand to it. It would have been really impressive if Sanchez got a hand on the ball. Then you just look at the overall pressure and you just have to look at the highlights it's constantly Brighton time and time again, just putting the pressure in. Matoma just made the defence look absolutely silly. He was just dancing around them. You had Ferguson, who, before his injury, was just 
opening up the spaces so easily with just the slightest of touches. So when you saw the way he controlled the ball outside the box, pushes pushes the ball one end and then looks for the curling effort to go and hit, which hits the bar. You can see that this guy is just abs it's absolutely unfair that this 18 year old is so intelligent on the ball. And I'm absolutely gutted for him that he's actually he's injured. He's out for at least a couple of weeks now, which means he's out of the FA Cup, which is such a such a uh, sad shame. And then you look at Joel Veltman, who has just been ever reliable, just uh, an absolute machine of a player. Hundred appearances, hundred plus appearances for us now, and you know losing him, and with no Lamptey in that mix now as well, we're, we're looking a little bit, little bit uh, nervous there on the right hand side, but. We still we still put in a very accomplished performance. You look at how we still plays in the second half as well. And CISO was just that that something's clicks with him now. Now that he got that goal against Bournemouth, it just clicks with him in that match. Where he was playing out on the wing, he wasn't afraid to take on he, he took on Reese James and made him look amateurish, really, I thought. And Reese James is the best wing back in the Premier League by a country mile. There's no denying that. But I think Reese James was compensating a lot for what Shalaber was trying to do. And I don't think they really had a good shift, especially with either Nciso or Matoma uh, in that match. They just, they, they just, neither of them had an answer for them. And then Nciso's goal. Top bins. You love to see it. What was that, 25 yards out? And I think it was 30. I think it was 30. Yeah, 25, 30 yards out. I heard um, it was 50. <laughs> Keep it going further. Look, it an unreal strike, and it's he, he couldn't have hit it more perfectly if he tried. It was it was an inch perfect ball, hit the top corner, and you could just see what it meant to the what the Brighton fans thought of it. Limbs everywhere, love it, and he just loved every bit of it. I mean, it's definitely a, a lot better than the Bournemouth goal, that's for sure. Where it just looked like as if everyone around him just gave up. He was under quite a fair bit of pressure. He just saw a little opening, looked up and thought, yeah, I'm taking this. And I thought, yeah, formidable. Absolutely formidable. I'm loving what I'm seeing so far. And uh, yeah, in it, it, for individual performances, Inciso gets a massive shout out because he is just, <laughs> he, he's becoming something spectacular at the moment. And I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I, yeah. So let, let's let's talk through through the goals. Obviously, so we've we've discussed the the fluke that was Chelsea's one, but Brighton, and let's not forget that obviously, as I said before, Brighton had lost uh, Veltman and Ferguson to injury, and were one 0 down. So the cards were stacked against them. So Inciso was brought on first, which I think is quite a statement from Deserbi to go. And Dunk said this afterwards when I chatted to him. He, he said that Inciso was brought on ahead of Welbeck, a seasoned Premier League player. So that's the amount of trust that he has in him. Um, and, but that was also because, you know, it was... Um, so Veltman obviously went off injured. And then Inciso comes on, which is an interesting swap because you've taken off a, a right back and you brought on a versatile forward so a good statement of intent there and so he came on and then obviously Welbeck came on um and that was 
yeah, the two of them were fantastic. In my play ratings, I gave them both nines because I thought they were fantastic. Um, Welbeck, again, popping up with a lovely header. Uh, and your man, Pascal Gross, I thought he was going to do another, um, you know, Gross turn on the edge of the box from the right. And he just pinged in a lovely floated left-footed cross. And then um, I think Welbeck got in between Fafana and uh, Badiashili. Yep. Uh, who's absolute unit, by the way, nearly six foot five. Uh, so for him to out jump in was pretty impressive. But yeah, lovely sort of cushioned header in off the post, fully, fully deserved. And then it was just wave after wave after wave of attacks from Brighton in, in the second half. It was interesting. They Chelsea brought on some of their sort of superstars, and you know, Jao Felix and um, and, and Reese James and Co. Uh, but I actually thought that that didn't help they brought on four subs and that i think didn't help with their shape at all um but yeah just go it just it just felt like a um a disjointed team of individuals who don't really have any coherency and just a really well-oiled well-drilled team who fully deserved the win and then obviously yeah incisa was fantastic um that goal it's just it hit that so well it was it's just absolutely beautiful strike. Um, but what was interesting, just as, on a slight side note, um, so obviously after the game, I'll talk a little bit more about Nciso and, and why he has, well, he has gone on upward trajectory in the last few weeks. Um, but Deserby, and this this is the sort of mentality, I think, that Deserby has and is drilling into his players, which I think is very impressive. So he said... You know, because everyone was waxing lyrical about and see, so you know, quite rightly, you know, the match winner, the fantastic performance was in such an was such a nuisance um, to, to Chelsea's backline. But he tempered expectations by saying, "And Ciso is a good, good player. I didn't like him after the goal though, because after the goal he finished playing, and he has to play until the end of the game because if we don't win, then people forget his goal, which is so true." Because, you know, you can put in a fantastic performance, but if you put the brakes on early and you start, you know, celebrating before you get to the, you know, the goal or the try line or the end zone, whatever, it's, you know, it's almost meaningless. So fair play to him to, you know, to say, no, 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 this is, I'm a, I'm a perfectionist. You have to keep these, these levels going. And that is sort of indicative of maybe the change of mindset and the mentality that is hopefully pushing Brighton onto Europe. But, just a final quick point to just just to say on Encisa's rise. So I spoke about uh, I asked Deserbi a, a few weeks, a couple of weeks back, um, about Enciso's, uh improved form because I've seen articles. Well, I, I've written articles in the past where, where like Adam Milano was like you know screaming at him, and other teams were screaming at Enciso because he's such a big talent, but he wasn't making the right decisions, and he was just a bit raw and his. And he was not going for the right option, trying to beat the man too many times. And it was more of an individual rather than the team play. But the in the last few weeks, there has been a real sort of shift, a, a sea change, a eureka moment, perhaps. Um, so I asked him and he said, I said, what's, what's been, what's changed? And he said, I think the last time he played for the national team, Paraguay, 
which was the end of last month, was very important for him. I didn't speak with the Paraguay coach, but I think it was a very important step for him. Now he is different in the training sessions and in games. Not for the goal, which is what he was referring to when he scored his first one against Bournemouth, but the way he played against Bournemouth was different from other experience on the pitch. Um, so uh, it does seem as if he's kind of, he's matured in a matter of weeks and he's, I think the, the sort of his ability was maybe not so much in doubt, but the perhaps the temperament and knowing what to do in the right situation. And I think now it seems, I mean, he was brilliant to watch at the weekend. Yeah, he uh, was wonderful to watch, and you got you, you got to appreciate how unhinged Zerbi is. Like goal of the season, we just seen, and he's just gone and said, "Yeah, but he was crap afterwards." I love it. I love it. I love how he's just like so, such a. Or he's almost like a perfectionist. He's a bit like there's a bit of Bielsa in him in the fact that yeah, he did great then, but then afterwards he he wasn't good. I wasn't impressed with him. But a mad genius. He is a mad genius. I love it. And look, Brighton are more excited about Inciso than they have been about Caicedo and McAllister, which I think speaks volumes. And you can see glimpses as to why that is the case. And with with Inciso, yeah, we have been seeing, we've been reading and hearing about how he's frustrating in training, he's frustrating in the match. And he has frustrated a fair few fans just... He like he likes to go for the individual performance, and I think that's something very much in South American culture. I think that's something that's very instilled there. It's very much, well, we call it hogging. They that I think they call it they excuse it for flair, and I think that he's had to really grow up in that sense and kind of had that word of wisdom, just saying like, look, it can't just all be about you, ninety percent of the time. You'll have that moment of individual brilliance, and people will remember that but you've got to link up as a team. You can't just be, you you can't just be that variable, variable on the sidelines all the time and just have those little moments of brilliance. When you do that nine times out of 10, you can't do that. You've got to do those moments of brilliance. The reason why individual brilliance are memorable is because they're few and far between. And, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about Nciso's goal for a very, very long time. It's it's a significant moment. It's secured our first win at Stamford Bridge. Um, he's ridiculously good. And I think it kind of like sends a message to the world in the fact that he's going off to do, uh, like most of the team, they're, they're destined to go on for bigger and better things. And I'm not unconvinced that at least three players are going to go off to Champions League football in the summer. I am still am. And I think Nciso is definitely on that same wavelength. Um, whether it's with us, I doubt it, but or not, I think he's going to be here for a good few seasons and it's going to be really exciting for us. And I think in a way, Ferguson's injury kind of opens up that opportunity for Nciso to really kind of like announce himself. And if he gets that chance at Wembley, I think he'll definitely seize the moment. Oof, that's exciting stuff. Um, I know. One, one other thing to add, and I just want to get your thoughts on this, Tom. So uh, before the game, there was, um, I, I guess, Deserby sort of hinted at changes because he said they have some problems in, in uh, defence and, and the goalkeepers. And I, I didn't think too much of it because... I just thought um, 
De Zerbi has said that Sanchez will play in the FA Cup against Manchester United. Uh, and Jason Steele, who I think has been very, very good since coming in, his, his in terms of uh, the importance of passing out from the back, um, he's been fantastic. And Pep Guardiola, of all people, last week said that Brighton are the best team in the world from best team in the world at passing out from the back, which is some some praise. So it was quite. A, I was a bit surprised to see Steele. Uh, wasn't playing and he wasn't in the squad either. He was there at the at the ground, but he wasn't in the squad. And I believe he's got a minor injury. Um, but I actually think even though um, it's a shame for him, this is an interesting situation because Sanchez, I thought, did pretty well. He made a couple of those. Um, in one instance, he made like uh, two quick fire saves from close range, I think from... Reese James and then Mudrick in this in the second half, uh, and his distribution looked pretty pretty solid as well. Um, there was a wonderful pass he did out from from goal to Matoma at one point. Um, so, and also I think just to to get him back in the groove because there's a chance that you know you're, the bright lights of Wembley, ninety thousand fans to to sort of parachute in for that game could be a bit. Um, it could be a potential rabbit in the headlight situation. So maybe just to have a game beforehand to get him in the zone was actually maybe worked out quite well. Um, but I do think that in general, it's a good situation to be in where you have two, you have competition for places because I think in the past and, and maybe this season, that's what Sanchez needed. He needed that sort of kick up the backside because of his performances did drop off and that's what led to Steele coming in. And I think in the past, people might have said that Steele wasn't quite a good enough keeper to, to dislodge Sanchez from that number one spot. He's a good backup keeper. He's important for the team, but maybe his abilities aren't quite at the same level and you need people to push yourselves on, you know, to, to bring the best out of you. And I think now it seems that this might be the case and uh, it'll be interesting to see how Sanchez performs against Manu, touch where he performs well, but also what happens for Forrest away in a week and a half. Um, so it's a, it's a, not a bad dilemma to have, but what, yeah, what do, what do you make of um, Sanchez's performance and that whole sort of dynamic between the two goalkeepers? I was quite surprised the fact that Sanchez was selected for this match. Like you say, like he's, Deserve has gone on record to say that Sanchez will play in the FA Cup semi-final. But then again, you can also counteract that go, well, he does need the minutes behind him for that match if they're going to treat it as importantly as many of the fans are going to be treating it as such. Because I think we need to reiterate, we've got a very good chance of going going into this match and get securing our first FA Cup final appearance in 40 years. Um, whether whether or not we'll go on to win it, I think that's I think we all know what the answer to that is because regardless of how we do, whoever wins is playing Man City and they're just they're they're just formidable at the moment. They they are indestructible. They're an unstoppable force right now. Um, so I think it was a very smart move. Brighton could be the immovable object. God, could you imagine? Could you imagine? I'm, I'm, uh, we'll, we'll discuss that later on in the week in the next episode. But yep. look, Sanchez, Sanchez de definitely needed the minutes in. Uh, I think he, I think his confidence got knocked 
been dropped for Jason Steele. I think it hasn't helped his case. The fact that Steele has just been fantastic in goal. And I think he's definitely offered a few more things that Deserby wanted to see from Sanchez, but didn't really notice. Watching the game, I did couldn't help but feel that Sanchez has definitely taken the feedback Deserby's given him and has used it. I think he's definitely improved from his last performance in the Brighton shirt. And I think that's given him the confidence that he's needed to push on again and fight for the number one spot. And I think we're going to see a bit more rotation going into the business end of the season because, well, we've got a fair bit of fixture congestion. We've still got two matches that still need to be rescheduled, I believe, off the top of my head. So we're we're still going to, we're going to be in a case where it's going to be a bit too close to call for the race for Europe in the league anyway. So I think the fact that these two are going to be on really good form either way and able to rotate and it won't cause that much of a rift in terms of the team chemistry is brilliant. And I think, again, that's credit to Deserby right there for the way he's managed that. Um, as for everywhere else, I think the main issue is going to be in defence. Um, it'll be interesting to see how long Veltman's going to be out for and how long it'll take Lamptey uh, to recover. How uh, is Lamptey still in recovery, isn't he? Yeah, so just a quick one on that. Um, the he's he obviously he's been out for um more than a month now. Uh, it's what was it? He he came off injured against West Ham, um, which I think was the start of March, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so that's you know six weeks or so now. Had a knee injury and Lamptey is. I'm getting a bit worried just because of it. I'm hoping it's not going to be this, the case, the same with the hamstring is, issue, which obviously had a number of setbacks, and that was 10 months. And initially, that was looking at weeks. Um, but he basically said, Deserve said on Friday, Lamptey's not available to play. It's bad, bad news for us. He's important for us because he has different characteristics, different qualities to Joel Veltman. Obviously, now you don't have Lamptey or Veltman. Um, and just just a quick to to add to, to, to that point, um, Deserby said after the game, I think Ferguson and Veltman cannot play for a couple of weeks. So I assume, and I guess we'll touch on it more later in the week, but I assume Pascal Gross will be at right back because he's yeah. he can play anywhere. Um, but it is a it is a concern and yeah, I, I worry if if um, because I think initially there was a point where Lamptey was um, he was not in the squads, but he was still part of training. And I think recently I haven't actually seen him in some of the training photos. He might have been there uh, just to, to add, but I, I worry that this could be a case of um, this is going to go on for a, a bit longer, uh, which is a, a big, big shame. But yes, I mean, so aside from, from that the, the defensive part, um, there are still plenty, plenty of positives because, like you said earlier, the the fact that Enciso is now coming to the fore, um, it will be interesting to see who, if Gross does go to right back, well, who will come in? 
would that be a, a midfielder or will they go for, you know, CISO up front maybe? Um, the options off the bench aren't as good now because of, of the injuries. With, you know, Sami enters out injured, Lalana's out injured. Good to see Jakob Moda back, by the way, in first team training. That was very nice to see after his, um, he's had a more than a year out of an ACL injury. Um, but yes, uh, it's, yeah, that was the, the, the sole blemishes of a fantastic, um, fantastic day in, in London. Uh, I just want to switch up a little bit to, um, so I was lucky enough to speak to to Lewis Dunk um, after after the game, and I asked him uh, how long did it take uh, you to to get over the team to get over the uh, you know that very galling loss to Tottenham when so many decisions went that way, and he said <clears throat> um, after ten Peronis. <laughs> and then he went, no, 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 I'm joking, I'm joking, but he's laughing away. So <laughs> I wonder how much truth is in that. But he he said, you know, after that, it was kind of, you just have to get on with it. You just, you come in at training on the Tuesday, you focus on the next game. Um, there's a lot of belief in this team, but, and, you know, because they, they believe that they can achieve something this year. Um so you just have to keep on moving on and, and getting over it. And yeah, so it's credit to to Brighton for for doing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tom, would you say that? How important do you think this win is in the wider context of the season? Oh, I think it's a fantastic response to the Spurs defeat. I think that could have easily played on their minds. The fact that we were robbed and, you know, if we we could go down the whole, you know, tinfold hat movement and the fact that it's the Premier League, it's the Premier League, they don't want us getting Champions League football. Like, if we could go down that rabbit hole of a cesspit on social media, then yeah, sure, we'll go, we'll, we'll be feeling sorry for ourselves. But if we want to go and reach ourselves to the very top, we can't just be like, well, we, we've got to be control, we've got to control our own actions here, we've got to control our own futures. The only way we're going to do that, we're not going to get this through luck. We just got to do it through hard grit and determination. So we've just got to move on. We lost. Okay, tomorrow, next game. And Zerbi's very much instilled that mentality. Doesn't matter what happened, next game, tomorrow, next game, tomorrow, next game. It kind of mirrors what Sir Alex was like. I remember reading Ria Ferdinand's autobiography, and every time they won a trophy, they didn't really celebrate. Sir Alex's team talk at the end of it was like. Well then, lads. Now let's focus on the next one. Yeah, and that's and that's why you why you have those kind of like managers that have that mentality. And the reason why that is elite. Yeah, it, it's elite. It's elite. It's elite. It's unhinged and you know borderline psychotic, and it works. You 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 you've got to be unhinged to go to be at the very very top. Like you name me one one athlete in the world of sport who isn't unhinged in the slightest and you won't get, you won't name me anyone. You, you can't because what, even if they're the nicest guy off the court, off the pitch, off whatever, I guarantee you they are unhinged when that, when the first ball is bowled or when the first ball is kicked or when the whistle blows for the first time, something switches in them and they're, they're, they're going to be winning at all costs. And that's something that Deserby's bringing in, and I love it. 
we got robbed at Spurs. It, it, look, it, a, a blind man could see that we were absolutely robbed and could see that the referee made several mis- big mistakes and it was huge mistakes. I'll give credit to Barber. Credit, credit was where credit's due. The way he handled the interview and when he got questioned about the decisions made, and he goes and says, "Look, we can't we can't berate the referees. We want to make we want to help the next generation go into this, go on to become officials. We want we want people to we want to encourage them to do it. But you know, we are disappointed with what we saw in the individual performance." but we want to see the bigger picture in the fact that we want to help the game do better. And one of those things we want to do is improve the quality in match officials. And I thought that was a very, very sensible and diplomatic approach. And look, Barber's, Barber is a very business orientated man, but he's a football man at heart as well. And he's very aware of the situation where he's aware of the good, the bad and the ugly in football. And sadly, the ugly bit is, um, you know, the quality in the refereeing. And whether you like it or not, we've got a big, big issue in terms of referees, um, games at grassroots level, not be, not getting appointed referees in that case. And it just causes, it causes rifts. And there really needs to be a bigger, bigger push for this. So if you invest in this, I guarantee in five, 10 years time, we'll be talking about having some of the best referees, but we're, we're not seeing that at the moment. So I was very pleased with how Barber handled that. But look... <laughs> I was a big fan that uh, Dunkey likes Peroni. Um, the man's got good taste. What can I say? The captain. Maybe, uh... maybe it's uh, Deserby's Italian influence then. <laughs> I, I, I can see Deserby being more of a Moretti man personally. Um, <laughs> but look, I, I, I'm liking the mentality that, that the guys are doing and it's it's exciting to see. And it's why I'm excited going, going ahead to this weekend. Yes, we've lost Ferguson and Veltman too very influential players and pretty essential in terms of the spine almost. Veltman's definitely part of that spine. Ferguson's pushing for it at the tender age of 18 years old. And I, I, he's 18 and he's absolutely, he's so good. It's ridiculous. Um, so, but he, even even with these two guys out, we've still got the, this mentality, this belief, and it's instilled in the fans as well that, you know, we've got a fantastic chance here at Wembley. United are there for the taking. It's just a case of how, we, how we're going to go about doing it. And I'll be really interested to see, I'm really excited to see what comes up on Sunday. Yes, and you touched upon the fans. I think this is a good point to, to wrap up on. But uh, they... I so I've been covering Brighton for just over two and a half years now, and obviously a lot of uh, that period was COVID affected. So I, you know I didn't really get the the Brighton fans on on full blast and on top form, but they were absolutely incredible on Saturday. They were unbelievable. I cannot remember a moment where they weren't singing. They were on top form. They were like really witty and uh sometimes a bit crude um uh, but they um it was it was fantastic like for example there was a bit when um uh i think chelsea's uh the screen got it wrong and they said instead of danny welbeck coming on it said cody gakpo so the liverpool <laughs> liverpool player so then the brighton fans very quickly went Cody Gakpo, he's one of our own, and that kept ringing around. <laughs> so there was just there was just so many instances of them 
um, you know, uh, getting into a bit of schadenfreude at laughing at Chelsea's expense, quite rightly, giving a lot of abuse towards Mark Kukurea, who seemed very scared to go anywhere near there, um, anywhere near them when, when warming up. Um, you know, obviously he was a bit sort of like public enemy number one. Um, but it, yeah, they were absolutely brilliant from start to finish. Uh, you know, quite rightly pointing out that Chelsea only sung when they were winning, uh, which frankly wasn't for very long. And yeah, that that was. I I think uh, Brighton's away support is one of the best in in the Premier League. I think it's really underrated, and they were a joy to listen to um, at the weekend. And hopefully, uh, well, obviously, you know they. They were so unlucky. Um, they didn't deserve that last weekend against Tottenham. But boy, did they! Um, they they sung their team home, and they fully deserve that. And hopefully, they can uh, have some more success uh, towards the business end of the season. But yes, that's my final thoughts. But uh, thanks a lot for listening, guys. Uh, we'll be previewing the FA Cup semi-final between Brighton and Manchester United later on this week. We'll do a, a bumper edition. Uh, get some, maybe go down, you know, um, memory lane uh, and also get the view from the opposition. But until then, keep on liking and subscribing and watching teams like Brighton.